0: What is today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky. And uh, every Sunday morning, we look up in the sky and uh, we wonder what the heck is up there. Steve Cates, uh, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, uh, tell us what's new.
1: Well, absolutely, John. You, of course, and the listeners out there, the best of the holiday season. But getting right to it, we talk about something that astronomers have wondered about and maybe people wonder about. And here it is. What's the average color of all these objects that are in the sp- in space, from galaxies, star clusters, and such? So we find out that black, first of all, would be the answer many people might say because of the darkness of space. But black's not really a color, John. It's actually a shade. So moving fast forward, in 2003, astronomers said the predominant color of objects in the universe is a greenish-white. But now they revised it with all these advanced telescopes like the James Webb and such. And get a load of this. It's actually a beigeish white color in space. And they've come up with a very cool name. Here it is, John. Cosmic Latte. Hey, that sounds like something that Starbucks might offer as a coffee option. But isn't that incredible? I think, I would I think red or blue. Starbucks
0: would, would, would charge extra for Cosmic Latte.
1: <laughs> I think you're so right. But it's so amazing. Wouldn't that be incredible? Because I think I look at pictures of the universe. We see the Hubble, the James Webb, and I look at more blues and reds. But the color is predominantly a beigeish white as we continue to talk about these incredible mysteries in the sky. But, John, here's something else that we talk about always, your interest and in mine and the planet Mars. Many people may not know this. This is the worst time of the month and the year to communicate with Mars, and here's why. Every 25 months, Mars and this particular planet and the Sun and the Earth go into what's called conjunction. So making it simple, if you're looking out from the Earth, Mars would be too darn close to the Sun, and it interferes with radio communications. That, of course, occurred back on November 17th and 18th, but probably lasts all the way to the end of the month of November. Why is that important? It's important because the space programmers and people at NASA and JPL, they have to send ahead of time all the instructions for these different probes. So when we go to Mars, this is interesting, with humans, this right now is going to be a problem. Mars right now, John, is 234 million miles away from the Earth, and it takes 21 minutes just to say hello, like you and I are talking here, and we're communicating in real time. So that's something they have to uh, be concerned about. Interesting, don't you think?
0: I guess. uh, Unless they perfect what uh, Star Trek used to have, uh, advanced communications. uh, What was that called? Subspace or whatever?
1: Well, they're going to talk about hyperspace, but you and I talked a week or two ago about the possibility, and it's early in its inception, about talking on light beams as a means of communication. It's actually a more efficient way, and that's something that's in the works.
0: NYC. How much faster would that it? be? Well, not much
1: faster, John, because remember, even radio signals are traveling at the, quote, speed of light. But what you're getting is a much more focused beam, which means you could probably, and again, not to guess here, you could probably put more data inside that particular, uh, you know, packet of light. And here's the problem. As you p- talk about radio waves in space, they have a problem. They dissipate out in space in a much wider angle. Than a focused beam, and people all know what a laser beam looks like, how focused it is. But here's something interesting. We always talk about the mystery of the week, and we know people enjoy this. Here we go. Why is Jupiter's red spot shrinking? Well, first of all, what is this? Jupiter has this amazing storm, John. It's like an anticyclone, a couple of times sizer that you know, bigger than the planet Earth. It's an anticyclonic storm that rotates counterclockwise and it turns every six days. What's happening? Back in 1881, the object was about five times the diameter. Now it's probably just as shrunk down to maybe the size of the Earth, which is small by a storm. But we have to remember, thank goodness for Jupiter, John, because it pulls in all these errant asteroids and space debris that might even come Earthward. But the mystery is nobody understands why that storm is there, why it's lasted so long. And I thought I'd bring it to people's attention, because if you have a telescope and you look at Jupiter, you can actually see this. I watch it all the time.
0: And uh, what's the closest uh, uh, satellites that we sent up there, or not satellites, or so, uh, uh, like a Voyager-type uh, rockets?
1: Well, John, we have the Voyagers that are out there in space. We talk about these also, and it's something interesting I want to alert the listeners to. If they go to the WABCradio.com website for the Dr. Sky Experience, I have an exclusive interview up there, John. I'm very proud of it. But the man who created the golden record on the Voyager spacecraft, these are records like an old LP that contains pictures and images of Earth, in case an extraterrestrial society, or who knows, who might be out there lurking in the darkness, might be able to check. But to answer your question, these spacecraft, the closest ones, of course, are these geosynchronous that we depend on, you know, with stability. We have much closer satellites in lower Earth orbit, and what's the big deal there? the problem of space debris, and the problem of overpopulation in low Earth orbit. But the beat goes on, John. They're launching more spacecraft, as we know what happened with Starship over this past weekend before. Obviously, they claim a success because they've tested a whole new type of, you know, dynamic on that spacecraft. They did something which is called hot staging, which means that they actually have been able to fire the second stage even before the first stage ran out of fuel, but this is also amazing. Starship will probably be the spacecraft that gets us to Mars and beyond. We just have to see them not have them blow up. They got a lot more testing to do. It's amazing.
0: Now, well, what was the cause? Why did they blow it up? Well, John, here's the
1: problem. The 33 Raptor engines all ran flawless. This time, they're saying it actually worked good. But once we had the separation of that second stage, which is the actual starship space vehicle that people would actually go on in cargo. The reason they blew it up is because it theoretically was actually going out of its orbit. And that booster rocket, John, was supposed to turn around. This is so amazing. It's like science fiction. It was supposed to turn around as it's up there 93 miles above the Earth and slowly come down with its rocket motors to soft land. So that was out of control. So this time, the abort button actually worked. In the last mission in April, the abort button didn't work right away. And unfortunately, that Starship spacecraft had to be destroyed too because it was no, it had no ability to point where they wanted it. They got a lot more uh, homework to do on this, but they're saying it's a success because even the launch pad last time was destroyed by the rocket motors. They perfected that, and the launch pad actually survived. That's 17 million pounds of thrust, John the most powerful rocket in the world. you got to give them credit for that, and I'm sure we do. It's totally off the charts.
0: Yes. Uh, well, Dr. Skye, thank you so much. Is there any other mysteries or anything else? John, I just want to remind people what they can
1: see in the sky. And the mystery is people want to see things in the sky. We find the moon moving on now from its first quarter phase. that will look like that egg shape. We call it gibbous. And it moves on to the beautiful full moon that occurs on the morning of November the 27th, So at 417 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the moon goes to what's called the full beaver moon. And, John, there's so much stuff for us to talk about in December. We'll be jam-packed with information here on the Cats Roundtable, talking about things people can see. And, again, check us out, wabcradio.com, for the Dr. Sky experience. Interesting interviews, as people tell us, from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, weather, and how about it? American exceptionalism. Thank you, John, and we wish everybody the best for the holiday season.
0: Thank you, Dr. Skye and uh, Steve Cates. Uh, We'll talk again real soon. Thank you, John.